It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the College Hoops Daily Podcast presented by Betfred Sports. My name is Zach Kroll, and we are starting a very special series here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast today. You guys know the NBA draft lottery was last night, and it's time for us to start talking some NBA draft and breaking down some of these top prospects to get you guys just aware and and just to talk about all of the guys, not only that played college basketball last season, but some of the guys that you're not as familiar with that a lot of these NBA teams and executives they're looking at right now and seeing who they want to take in the NBA draft. So today is the first episode of the NBA draft prospect preview series here on the College Hoops Daily Podcast. I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys about some of these prospects and why exactly they're going to go so high in the draft, what we think about their future in the NBA going forward. The NBA playoffs are going on right now as well. There's been a lot of really good basketball on uh, competitive. The Eastern Conference Finals will get started tonight. I'm really looking forward to that. But I'm not doing it alone. My guy, Aaron Torres, the host and founder of Aaron Torres Media, the Aaron Torres Podcast, joining us. AT, what's going on? Thank you so much for joining us today. Not much, man. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, for hosting, for doing all this. And uh, yeah, I think like us as college hoops guys, like covering the sport, being around the sport, I think we can obviously give uh, really good insight on everybody. But obviously, the majority of the guys we'll be talking about, we obviously cover during college basketball. But, you know, this year we can't dance around. Well, maybe we can start with Brandon Miller or Anthony Black or Cason Wallace. Like, we know who's going number one, uh, and even though it isn't a guy that we covered in college, uh, we'd be remiss if we obviously were not starting by talking a little Victor Wembanyama. So, yeah. So for about the past twelve months, this guy has really been the consensus number one overall prospect. One thing, just looking at his resume and all of the basketball he's been playing throughout the past few years, he's been playing in the top league in France. It's called the Pro A, and he made his debut professionally at age 15. And that's one thing that really stood out to me. Like we know in um, here in the United States, they have the G league ignite program where straight out of high school, you would be playing against seasoned veterans, guys that have been playing in the NBA for a decade or more. And that's one thing about Wembanyama that really stood out to me right away. We also know that the San Antonio Spurs, they're going to be the team with the number one overall pick. They win the draft lottery last night. There were two other teams that had a 14% chance of winning the lottery along with San Antonio. They were uh, Charlotte and Houston. Uh, Charlotte has the number two pick. Portland will have number three. Houston will have number four. And Detroit will have the number five overall pick. But let's talk a little bit about Wembanyama. And one thing 
I th- I saw last night that I think really appropriately represents Wembanyama and just how much hype there is around this kid is Brian Windhorst of ESPN, their top NBA reporter. ESPN sent him out to France for about a 90-second interview. It wasn't really that long at all. And they send him out there to get a word with Vic for uh, before the lottery last night. And that 90 seconds, I don't know if it, it was worth it or not. Obviously, Wendy got a, a nice trip uh, out to France. But the fact that they're sending him out there for that short of an interview, it was 2 a.m. In, in, in the morning in, in France uh, in their time over there. I think that was a very accurate representation of just how good this kid could be. We know uh, Woj said he was possibly more hyped up as a prospect since LeBron. I think Zion Williamson is the only other prospect that could possibly uh, come to mind in terms of guys and the amount of hype and attention that they are coming into the league with. But I think what's interesting to me is like, we saw Zion play at Duke. We knew the competition he was going against. Even LeBron James, his high school games were on TV. I feel like there is a little bit of mystery and intrigue when it comes to Wembanyama, just based on the fact that he's playing in another country in France. First of all, I like that you're referring to him as Vic already. I don't know if you uh, were, if you've hung out with him like that, like, and I'm not aware of it or what, but uh yeah, listen, I mean, first of all, to that point, I think it's an important one, right? As I understand that uh, ESPN has a relationship with the NBA, they're covering the NBA draft, but to send not only it's not just like they had a guy there, it was like one of their big NBA guys overseas doing that interview. It speaks to I think a lot of things. I think it speaks to how big of a prospect he is, but I think it speaks to the fact that it seems very clear to me that the NBA wants to make this guy a face of this league going forward. So, you know, the, the hype stuff, I'm with you. You know, I, I was cracking up watching it, uh, you know, watching the whole thing yesterday is of, you know, if you want to say he's the most unique prospect ever, if you want to say he's the most whatever, the most um, skill, you know, we've never seen a skill set like him. I will say like, like hyped though. You know, like 17 million people watch Zion Williamson's final game at Duke. Like, I, I, I think we are so easy to dismiss anything that isn't happening in the present. Like, Zion was very, very, very hyped coming out of college. So, I, you know, I don't know if, if, if your boy Vic, uh, Victor Winbanyama is, um, is the most hyped, but what I will say is, listen, I, I you know, I, I'm not here to sugarcoat it. He is one of the most uniquely skilled guys ever. I was reading an article yesterday. Jonathan Jonathan Gavoni also spent time with them during the winter measures seven foot four without shoes. So this isn't like one of those guys that's six foot 11, but they're listing him at seven, two, like he is a legit seven, four, seven, five. And then we see everything that he can do on the court. And, and, you know, I think that's what obviously stands out at his size to be able to handle the ball, to be able to take people off the dribble, to be able to be an elite shooter, but also an elite defender. Um, it's just fascinating to watch and, and, you know, listen, nobody's perfect and we're get to some of the negatives in a minute, but I'll readily admit, you know, as somebody who just loves the sport of basketball, um, if this guy clicks and if it all comes together the way that clearly everybody thinks it could potentially, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that the NBA has never really seen a guy quite like this before. Absolutely. And the thing that really makes him unique is when you hear about a prospect that's seven, four, even, a guy that's offensively skilled that could shoot the basketball, you assume that they're going to play the center or the power forward position, maybe a little bit of power forward, but this guy is literally a wing player. Like he, it feels like to me when I watch him, he's more comfortable on the wing. And I'm curious, like what kind of player 
would the Spurs pair him with in order to uh, get him at his the best version of himself on the basketball floor? And that's the thing. Like, the thing with the Spurs and the fact that they have this number one pick, everyone, I, I believe you even uh, brought this up, and I, I thought it was a great comparison, like them and the Indianapolis Colts, the fact that every time they win the draft lottery, it just turns out like they, there's some generational prospect coming in that's going to be the number one overall pick. We remember in 1987, the Spurs drafted uh, David Robinson. And then in 1997, a decade later, they draft Tim Duncan, two generational players. And then now they have, they're going to have Wembanyama. But both those guys were back to the basket centers. And even though this guy's 7'4", he has the ability to make plays on the wing. And some of his top highlights where he's just dribbling on the perimeter and then he'll turn that into a post-up. Like I feel like with a good coach, if you could always just find a mismatch for him on the offensive side of the ball, and that's what makes him so scary. It is. And I will say, like, you know, I, I was ready – prior to the NBA draft lottery. And this is why, you know, context matters. Like I, I was ready to, to, to really focus a lot of what we did today. And a lot of what I did on my show with some of the concerns that I have, but what I would also say is seeing that he is going to San Antonio, like, I don't know exactly how they plan on using him, And they obviously have good wing play with Keldon Johnson and, and guys like that. But like, that is an organization that I trust to get the most out of this guy. And and it's so interesting. And I talked about this on my show on uh, Wednesday is like, you know, a lot like the, the, the draft in nature is like designed to send the, the, the best players to the worst teams. And oftentimes the worst teams are the worst teams for a reason, bad ownership, bad management, bad coaching, bad culture, bad, whatever. Um, and it is like cool and refreshing that a kid of this capability is going to a place with the structure of San Antonio. Because, you know, we think about all these guys that got drafted to the wrong spot and you wonder, well, if it, if it had been a little bit different, what could have happened? I mean, um, you know, on my show the other day, I was talking about, you know, Anthony Davis, like guy won one playoff series his entire time in New Orleans because they could never really find the right pieces around him. Um, you know, there, there's other guys I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, but you know, the NFL is the same way. Major league baseball, I'm sure is the same way too. So that, that's the thing that's really cool to me is like, I can't speak definitively to like, you know, or I, I don't, I, I think they're smart enough to probably not just stick them in the post and say, Hey, this is 1997 all over again with uh, Tim Duncan. But I, I just like that. He's going to a place that they, they have the infrastructure in place that they've developed guys like him Um, that I, I, you know, I, I just think it's going to be, they're going to put him in a position to succeed. Um, and obviously, again, we'll talk about injuries and this and that and the other thing, because a guy his size, historically, it has not turned out well. But I guess what I, what I'm trying to get to is if this guy is going to reach his potential, um, there is no better place for it to happen. It's, it's the right coaching staff. It's the right, um, behind the scenes people, the right doctors, the right this, the right that. And I'm just excited. I really am to see not only this player, but this player with this specific organization, because that's to me what stands out is that he's going to the place that, again, I know I've said it a few times here, but that can really maximize his talents and get the most out of him. Definitely. And it, the Spurs were in a, in a unique situation because it kind of feels like this was the end of the Greg Popovich era, a coach that has yeah. had so much success in the NBA, but all of a sudden after the Spurs win this lottery, it's looking like maybe he could coach for a few more years. One thing about Wembanyama and his game that really stood out to me when watching him is he's made 74 threes in his career playing in France. So we know this guy is really comfortable shooting the basketball. And 
at his size, there are a few guys like Christoph Porzingis is one that comes to mind. Like we haven't really seen anything like him with this certain skill set. And like for me who watches for both of us who watch mostly just NBA and college basketball, I'm always a little curious, like how big of a drop off is there in the level of competition in his league compared to the NBA or even in college basketball? Like let's say this kid would have ended up going to college, like just how good would he be? And doing some more research on this French league that he's in, it's obviously, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the top league in France, but they only play once a week in France. Yeah, I found that interesting because in the NBA, in a league of back-to-backs, we're going to get into the upside, downside, and, and how we think his career could pan out. But you go from that playing once a week in France against, you know, obviously good competition, but not the same level of competition as the NBA, I'm curious right off the bat, like, especially in this era where we know, like, during the regular season, especially, like, a lot of these star players in the NBA, they don't always play each and every night. How do the Spurs manage that, like, right away? What What is his workload initially right off the bat when he gets to San Antonio? Is he going to be playing in every back-to-back? I'm just very curious to see how they manage a player like this, considering, A, We've never really seen anyone like him with his skill set. And B, he's coming from somewhere in France where the league and its setup and its format is just totally different than what he's about to experience in the NBA. Two thoughts on that. One, it's interesting because I think, you know, I know I just said, oh, the right medical staff, the right this, the right that. It's interesting because um, the Spurs, on the one hand, they basically invented load management. Um, And it's interesting because, like, and I've talked about this on my podcast and my radio show for sure is like load management is now so different than what it was when the Spurs started. Like I always say like the Spurs created load management as a way for again, a second of a back to back on, on a road trip or the end of a long road trip to get veterans rest. Hey, don't even come to the last game, fly home, get an extra day of rest. And now there's a science behind it that I'm frankly not sure works with, you know, unfortunately the repeat, uh, Kawhi Leonard injuries, Zion Williamson, et cetera, et cetera. So I bring it up because on the one hand, the Spurs were kind of at the forefront of load management, but on the other hand, it obviously blew up very poorly with Kawhi Leonard at the end where they were trying to get him to play. He claimed he wasn't healthy and it just kind of, again, reached a head where, um, you know, where clearly the player didn't trust the organization, didn't want to be there anymore. So I I think that to me, one, how the Spurs manage it is really interesting, but then also just in general, how it is managed, I think is going to be fascinating as well. And this is one of the reasons why I can't totally get behind the, like, like, you know, you can have like real questions about when Banyama without intending to be critical or trying to be critical. But this is one of the, the questions that I've had about him is, is that, one, obviously the frame, the injuries, seven foot five, et cetera. Um, it's been talked about many times, but human bodies are not supposed to be that big. And there isn't a great track record of guys that size being able to have extended careers. Um, and I have some stats that I, we could throw around later, but two, it's one thing for, you know, Yao Ming, it didn't work out 20 years ago, Bill Walton, 35, 40 years ago. That was pre load management era. So, so my question is, what is the best case scenario for this guy? Like, like what is realistic for a season? What does a season look like for this guy? Is it 60 games? Do we really expect him to play more than 60? Is it less than that? Because that's one of the reasons, again, why I just, I can't get like, 
Like, I'm really excited to watch him. And I'm really happy that he ended up in San Antonio as opposed to another organization that doesn't have the track record they do. But it's also like, like when you hear to, to your point, what Woj said about generational and, you know, Jay Billis, our buddy, our, our, our college basketball. Well, if he was in this draft with LeBron, I couldn't take LeBron first. And it's like, okay, I, I get it. Like everybody's trying to one up each other right now. That sounds great. But in this load management era, in the world that we live in, I just don't know what is, I don't even know what, forget how he plays all that. I just don't know what's realistic in terms of how much he plays, how cautious they are to your point, playing one time a week. Does that mean that they're going to ease him in or are they going to expect him to play 82 games if he feels healthy and ready to go? So, you know, and then, oh, by the way, there's, there's, you know, he's got his own personal trainers and how does that jive with the San Antonio Spurs? So, there is a lot of positives. I am not in any way intending to say that there are not or that I'm rooting against them or I'm rooting for something bad to happen. But I do think it is fair to ask real questions about what's realistic in terms of how much he plays, how often he plays, how early he plays, things like that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yeah, so Wembenyama, he is standing at 7'4 without shoes, like you mentioned, but he's 230 pounds. And Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga was a guy with not the exact same body type, but he was even skinnier, 200 pounds. He had a fluke injury in the summer. He still has yet to play uh, one game, one second in the NBA. And in terms of like the expectations and what they should be for Wembenyama, I think that's a really good point. One question I heard uh, in the last 24 hours that honestly I'm still thinking about is how many teams in the NBA right now would trade their best player for a guy like this? And I feel like you could really lean in either direction, obviously depending on who your best player is, but it's like, okay, you see the potential. It's clearly there. And if things do work out, there's no doubt about it. This kid is going to be a home run, especially as we've mentioned in a place like San Antonio, where compared to some of the other options he could have went, that's probably a really good destination. But at the same time, when it comes to his body type, when it comes to the guys with similar body types that we've seen throughout the history of the NBA, there are some risks. There are some concerns. So I definitely think straight off the bat, it's easy for us to watch his uh, highlight film and his skill set in France and think, wow, this guy is going to be the real deal. He's going to be the next big thing. But we've seen also so many other examples of guys who maybe weren't even as hyped up as he was uh, in, in his skill set. But unfortunately, injuries, they just didn't work out. So I think that's a really good point in terms of, especially right off the bat, what are his expectations going to be? I also think it's interesting, like the Spurs, 
they're obviously a very good organization and Greg Popovich is one of the best coaches that we've ever seen. But at the same time, if you look at this roster, they do have the number one overall pick for a reason. And I don't necessarily know what the situation is where we could see this guy competing in the playoffs anytime soon. It's going to take at least a year or two for this team to get fully back on the map. And I'm wondering like, do they take that time to really just see what they have and see what kind of players would fit best around him Or are they trying to win right now? They do have some cap space and get this guy into the playoffs as soon as possible. Greg Popovich as a head coach, we don't even know how much time he has left. So now that the Spurs are going to have their guy, I'm curious to see also, how do they build the team? What is the vision? And I think a lot of that could depend on what they see from him straight off the bat. You know, that's a really interesting point because I think there's this this easy analogy to make about – you know, well, you know, this happened with Duncan and look at what happened. And oh my goodness, they won five titles with Duncan and all that good stuff. But I think what's easy to forget, and certainly for somebody like that's your age, that that isn't old enough to remember. Unfortunately, I'm sad to say that I am old enough to remember. Um, The year that the Spurs got Tim Duncan, it was because David Robinson, who was a future Hall of Famer, got hurt early and basically missed the entire season. Um, And the Spurs were in position to get the number one overall pick. In the year prior to that, before when Tim Duncan was fully healthy, I'm trying to look it up really quick. San Antonio went 59 and 23. So they were a 59 win team that then in one season lost their Hall of Fame center, the, the focal point of everything that they did. They end up losing a lot of games that next season, uh, 20 and 62 the following year. So they go from 59 wins with David Robinson to 20 without him. Then you add Tim Duncan, probably one of the 10, 12. I'm not a, I'm not a pyramid NBA guy, but probably one of the 15 best players of all time to a team that won 59 games the year before. And so they had Sean Elliott. They had, you know, I can't remember everybody now. I think Vinny Del Negro was on that team. They had, they had a, a championship caliber core and Tim Duncan obviously took them to another level. So that's actually a really good point that I hadn't even considered is. I will say, like, I'm somebody like everybody else that I got caught up in the hysteria of, oh, it happened 26 years ago with Tim Duncan, and here we go again, and oh, my goodness. But it, you're right. It's like you look at that roster, and listen, we all love Keldon Johnson. We all watched him at Kentucky. He's an excellent player. Um, But you go beyond him. I mean, there really isn't a lot on that roster. I'm looking right now. It's a, it's a lot of Trey Jones. It's a lot of Devontae Graham. It's a lot of uh, – it's, 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 it's like have- a – who I, I think both of us are still really high on is Malachi Branham out of Ohio State. I, I think that's right. Him and Jeremy Sohan, down. yeah, and Sohan too. I, I there is a solid core there, but I think the point is like anyone who thinks this team is any anywhere close to winning anything anytime soon, they still got a long way to go. No, it's a great point. It's a great point because, like I said, I think it's easy to forget that context with the Tim Duncan stuff is that twenty six years ago or whatever it was, like they were a championship te- caliber team had a bad break that ended up being the best break in organizational history. Um, and, um, and you know, we're able to obviously, uh, you know, win five titles because of it. Really quickly, I, I do want to get to the injury stuff just just because, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, belabor it, but I think it's an, an honest conversation that we have to have um, just because, like, like this is part of, of the conversation. And it's funny because I've heard some of those conversations that you have about, how, who, who would you trade for Victor Wenbanyama? And like, I, I think some of them are kind of dumb. Um, I think the list is probably longer than people give it credit for. Like I, I heard like, Oh, it's like, well, I mean, it's probably just like, uh, 
you know, you want to trade Jokic and, and maybe like one or two, but everybody else would be available for, for Victor Wimbyama. It's like, yeah, if you knew that there was not going to be any issue and that he had the chance to reach his potential, then yeah, like a lot of guys might be available that wouldn't otherwise be. But at the same time, like, I, I just want to bring it up is that when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. To be clear, I'm not rooting against anybody. I don't want to see him fail again. But the track record of guys his size having long, healthy, uninterrupted NBA careers is essentially next to none, right? So, like, I looked it up, and I mentioned these stats on my podcast. Like, so I don't even know if you remember Yao Ming as an NBA player, but I remembered him having, like, a a very – good like seven eight nine year career and then injuries kind of got to him at the end Yao Ming ended up playing under 500 total games in the NBA that blew me away when I saw that like 500 games is nothing that's like you know basically what five and a half six full seasons Yao Ming was out of the league by 31 Bill Walton seven footer played four years of college basketball comes in at 22 his best year was 25 he was never the same after that Greg Oden was completely out of the NBA by 26 as well. So um, Ralph Sampson, by the way, I looked it up because I, I was curious. Like he was a guy that um, played re- played a ton of minutes early. He only played more than 50 games once in his – after his third year, he only played 50 games more than once in his career and was basically out of the league by his early 30s. So I, I hope people listening understand this is not an attack. It's not me rooting for it. But it is a real conversation, and I'll be curious to see back to the points that we made about, you know, how the team handles it, how often he plays, how often he sits if he's feeling fine. You know, I referenced the Jonathan Gavoni article earlier um, where they, you know, the, he's been working with with specialists for years now to try to do anything preventative that they can. So I hope that this is all a dumb, this all people can go back and listen to this podcast in two, three, five, ten years and say, Torres sounded like an idiot for even suggesting it. I really mean that. Um, but it's something I just wanted to bring up because it's something that uh, unfortunately there isn't a great track record of that in the NBA right now. Definitely. And that Yao Ming stat, that, that is crazy because also the thing that Wembanyama, I guess, would have going for him a little bit is Yao did enter the league a little bit later. Like this kid is still really young and yeah. uh, he has a long career ahead of him, but in terms of like the body type, I, when I see 230 pounds, that's obviously concerning. And also, I'm just very intrigued to see like he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and yeah. he's gonna be and he's going to be very involved in basically everything they do on that end of the floor. Not to mention his defense. One thing that's also really impressive when I've watched him is he's really good uh, defending. He could guard really any position one through five. And I'm curious, like 
what impact is that going to have on him as well? Because a lot of the guys you mentioned, they're traditional big men. And sure. in the year 2023, like we just haven't really seen a guy with this body type be that involved, like a hundred, not a hundred percent, but I would say 90 plus percent of the time with the ball in his hands that often. And I think a lot of like, when I'm thinking, how is this going to work out? I want to see what kind of players the Spurs surround him with. And I, I'm curious if they like maybe take a year or two to kind of test and see like, what exactly works best with him out there on the floor. Because when you have the ball in your hands that often, you're going to have the ability to make a ton of plays. But as you mentioned also, like the human body, it's just not necessarily built to be that big. So uh, that's definitely one thing I'm really intrigued about uh, as well. One quote I wanted to read, um, this is actually from Giannis in, uh, from October of 2022 on one by He said, I believe in 2045, everybody is going to look like Victor, basically assuming he's ahead of his time in terms of his size and his style of basketball. And I found that really interesting. Like, is there a chance in 10 to 15 years, people are watching Wembanyama in a year-in, year-out basis and say, okay, I'm a little taller, but I'm skilled on the offensive end of the floor. I could dribble the ball. I want to shoot the ball like Steph Curry. Like, we've seen that in basketball. That's a real thing uh, over the course of the last 10, 15 years. Like, the game really coming down to shooting and everyone wants to be like Steph Curry. If this kid is really the real deal and lives up to the hype, I have a feeling that Giannis might be onto something in terms of, okay, we could see a little bit more of this prototype in terms of uh, the kind of players that are coming into the league. And that's one thing about basketball. You know, everyone says this about the NFL, like, Oh, it's a copycat league. When you see something that works, you're going to do that and hope we take advantage of it. I could see kind of, if this does work out, players kind of modeling their games after Wembanyama, which could open up a totally new door for the game of basketball. I, I, I think we've already started to see it. Um, and I think it's been trending that way for a while where, you know, you even hear, you know, <laughs> we're a college basketball show. So let, let, I'll, I'll use a college basketball example. Like I think there are some players in the past, probably four or five years that Kentucky has missed on. And I don't mean to make this a Kentucky show, but because they're bigger guys that, feel like, hey, I'm going to be given more of a free reign at XYZ school than I would be if I went to Kentucky. Calipari's old school. Calipari wants his guys close to the basket, Carl Anthony town style, whatever. I can tell you for a fact, I know for a fact that Paulo Bancaro, when he was being recruited, he liked Kentucky. But Coach K said, listen, if you prove that I can put the ball in your hands and you can make plays and you can be that new age guy, we're going to let you do that. Now, it's a credit to Paulo for developing that skill set. But I don't know if that's something that, like, I don't, John Calipari might have said it, but when it push came to shove, I don't know if he actually would have let him do that. So Paulo is just one example and he's six foot eight, six foot nine. He's certainly not seven five, but, but I, there is to me something to that. Now, I don't know if the NBA is going to be entirely dudes that are seven foot five, uh, you know, just jacking threes from 32 feet away or anything like that. Um, but I do think it's becoming, and it's, it's a cliche word, but a, a positionless sport. I mean, we're, you and I are talking, uh, the, the day after game one of the Western Conference finals where Jokic had whatever, whatever and 13 assists where Anthony Davis was playing all over the floor. And so it really feels to me like probably over the last, probably like five to seven, maybe even a little bit more. As guys are coming up, one of two things is happening. Either the coaches are smart enough to say, hey, if you can prove that you can play on the perimeter, um, go ahead and do it. But I also think it's parents and it's players saying, I don't want to be boxed in as solely a back-to-the-basket guy. 
And I think as we go through kind of the evolution of basketball, those guys are starting to get phased out. I, 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 I appreciate Giannis's quote. I don't think the entire league in 22 years is going to be all seven foot five dudes just putting the ball between their legs and dunking from the foul line. But I, I, I think the position itself, if you even want to call it a position is definitely changing. Absolutely. And when it comes to Wembanyama and what he's done in uh, France, again, he's been playing in that top league in France. It's called Pro A. He's in his third year. He's been doing it since he was 15 years old. And this past season, when he, of course, blew up, he led the league in scoring, rebounding, and block shots. So this kid, he's clearly taken over that league, and I'm really excited uh, to watch him in the NBA. But AT, before we get out of here, any last thoughts on uh, Victor Wembanyama? No, I, I hope um from the listener's perspective, I didn't come off as too negative kind of talking about the injuries and stuff because I'm excited to see this guy and I hope it works. Um, But no, the, the talent is through the roof, you know, to be able to do the things with the ball. To, to your point, like he can go in the post and get a bucket. Like it's not as though he's a guy that's afraid of contact or whatever, but to have the skill set that he does – um. I'm just excited to watch and, you know, you and I watch more college than the NBA during the regular season, but obviously can't wait to see this kid. Hopefully it's summer league. And then more importantly, uh, when the season kicks off next October. So anything from you, did we miss anything or did I, did I miss anything? It's actually funny. You just brought up the summer league. Like I'm very curious to see how this kid does right away in the summer league, because we remember like in past years, Ben Simmons is just one example that comes to mind. Lonzo ball too. Like as soon as those guys got drafted, it was like, okay, when are they playing summer league? And as soon as they got back on the court, it was a, it was a pretty big event and and people evaluated and judged them right away. And I'm curious to see like, okay, does obviously he's aware of it, but does this, does that affect him on the court at all? Like the hype and just how much everyone is talking about him, especially coming to a new country. Like, I feel like it's totally different when you're Zion and you're at Duke and all your games are on ESPN already but basketball, we all know just how big it is, especially the NBA here in the United States. Not saying it's not the same thing as France, but I'm just curious to see straight off the bat, how does he react to that? And does he kind of know what's going to be in store, especially like with just how excited everyone is about him? Yeah, and I, one thing I would say is it'll be interesting to see how he's even used in the summer league. Um, summer league, from what I remember, and I, I'm not a like, you know, watch every game kind of guy, but it feels like most teams – they put their stars out that first day, maybe a second game. And then most guys do get shut down just, just because, Hey, like we don't need you getting hurt in Vegas. So it'll be curious to see how it plays out, but I, I hope the Spurs at least get them out there for one or two games. Cause yeah, I, I don't, you know, to, to back to the Woj quotes, like I don't think it's hyperbole to say it would probably be maybe the most watched summer league game, at least since Zion, if not longer. So I, I hope we get to see him at least in the summer league. Give us a little taste before the season starts next year. Absolutely. So thank by the you. way, there's no, there's no way that the Spurs don't take him, right? Like we just did this whole thing about, you know, cause when we do the next guys, the Brandon Millers and the Anthony Blacks and the Scoot Hendersons, like we got to be like, well, you know, if he goes here, it, blah, 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 it's like, uh, I, I hope they don't trade the pick or, or go in another direction. I know they won't, but, uh, but it, we're just talking about it as if it's a totally done deal. Although I do think that it is a done deal. So. That would be a plot twist for the ages. Again, we, it's probably not going to happen. It's always good to bring it up, but man, that NBA would explode if something like that happened. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it's funny last year, you know, not a lot of people really expected Paolo Bancaro to go number one until 
10, 15 minutes before the draft. Yeah, I know. I did from day one, but no, I didn't, I didn't know. I just thought that that's who Orlando should take, but I can't take credit. Like (laughs) I had some amazing insight. I just thought that was who they should take. So it's a great point though. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to the first episode of the NBA draft prospect preview series here on the college hoops daily podcast. As AT mentioned, we will have a bunch more of these coming up in the next few weeks leading into the draft, breaking down some of the other top prospects coming into the NBA this year. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you guys soon. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.